This next piece is from the kickoff to the Black History Month breakfast, which happened on January 31st. Dick Gregory, a legendary comedian and civil rights activist, spoke at the breakfast. He has marched in many a civil rights march, among many other accomplishments. So without further ado, I give you Mr. Gregory. Well, we look at Obama and go backwards. After we finish celebrating the joy and the festivity, which is only right. In Washington, D.C. this week, it was an energy that people felt. It had nothing to do with somebody being sworn in. I was there. I brought my researchers in from around the world and said, here's what y'all look for. And any of you all was there, you know it was three million people, not what they're telling us. And don't nobody want to talk about it, because what they're telling us is to preserve that a black person didn't have the largest crowd and white Regan out. But don't nobody want to talk about that. Something else nobody want to talk about. 80% of everybody there was white folks. In an energy, you didn't see no drunks. You didn't smell no reefer. And if you were there cold, seven above, that's not counting the windshield. They were so worried, they had 2,000 people they brought in from across the country to deal with frostbite. Not one case of frostbite. I hope y'all understand what you have just witnessed. It's bigger than Obama. It's bigger than America. And those of you who was there saw people walking down the street, some had heavy coats on, some didn't have none on. And when you got people standing from 5 o'clock in the morning till 6 o'clock in the evening and not move and no frostbites, then there's something else out here that you can't see, you can just feel. And when I think about it, I just left Japan the other day. Every year, three million people visit Dr. King's grave, and one million of them come from Japan. And when I think about you black folks in America that will take your children to Disneyland to see a rat, <laughs> and you couldn't go there had King not died, but you've never been to King's grave, huh? Well, thank God something happened that all of you can share in for a few minutes. But the next thing is this thing going in, all this stuff, but is it over? Obama's the most powerful man in the world right now. He can't get a cab in New York tonight, and that don't bother you. Huh? Y'all so busy for a victory because you ain't done nothing. That anything look like a victory, you happy. Condoleezza Rice had more PhDs than Bush's whole cabinet. They called her Condi. Not once did they call her doctor. But that thug Henry Kissinger, he was always doctor, and that don't bother her nor you. They never called Janet Reno Janet. They got a soda pop darker than Condoleezza Rice. They called Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and so I wonder if we, if we can take this relay, because that's what it's been. What we just looked at now is a stick being passed at a different level. And black folks, you really need to. When you accept injustice, which we have, you become unjust. And when you learn to coexist with filth, you become filthy. And don't nobody want to be honest. You're so busy for a damn job and then talk about God. What God? And so when you look at this movement of where we are now, and once we get through celebrating, go back 150 years. It didn't just start here. 
We in the civil rights movement didn't even understand what it was. We thought we was fighting for this, and there's a universal force. That energy had us. Before you can get anything, before you could witness what you witnessed November the 4th, there's a group of people that had to come out here, even if they didn't know it, and say to white America, no longer can you have pop blanking killing me like you're going hunting. We didn't know that. Nobody told us to go out here and do that. We was marching for this and marching for that with no guns, and they was killing us. Had we had a gun, it would have been a, been a war. There was no guns. And then television came, and people saw us being killed and arrested for nothing, and the world changed. When I look at that 15th Amendment, you white women all feel ashamed, but you're not. 15th Amendment guaranteed black male slaves the right to vote when you didn't have the right to vote. He yo. Daddy, you his daughter, his wife, his mama. You came over on the boat with him. Boy, do you know what we went through. If he treats you like that, what do you think he was doing to us? And today, we still wonder if a white woman can become president of the United States. So I think what white women, especially women, ought to do is, 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 I mean, when you look at this stimulus package that came through, y'all should be insulted. It, it wouldn't be bad if it was aimed at, but it's that, it's that whole male thing. A trillion dollars fixing to come down the chute for bridges, for highways, for construction. When the last time you see a woman building a bridge? They just cut you out the money, and you don't even know it. You're so busy enjoying yourself. 97% of that money is going to men. But you gave the Democrats 56% of your vote, and you don't feel nothing. And so I just say, to those who's out here who, who created it. And we didn't get out here so a black man can be president. That'd be an insult. We got out here so the least person who couldn't read or write or had no job would be protected. That's what we was out here for. So when people asked, did you think it was going to be? That wasn't what we were fighting for. We was fighting that everybody would be free to walk down the street without being lynched or without being raped. And this was just a, a thrown-in benefit. This is what God gives you when you're not selfish, when you're not aiming, when I'm going to forget you. Huh? And so when I stop and think about two of the most important people, if, you had, if I had to listen, and I got the whole list from all the way back to when it first happened, but if I had to list two people who's more responsible for Obama being president, a little black man named Jimmy Lee Jackson, who most folks had never heard of, but one day the world will know who he is. Jimmy Lee Jackson in Marion, Alabama, deacon of a church. For four years he had been trying to register to vote, and they wouldn't let him register. And so he organized some folks and called up to SCLC and and said, would you send somebody down here just to show us how to march? And they sent James Orange down. And they went out and marched and they arrested James Orange. And they went back to the church. And one thing we better hurry up and understand, the strongest two forces in the history of America have always been the black woman in the black church. And let me tell you how messed up it is. If I was in an all-black community, on all-black radio, and I said this, in daily life, black folks found to be more religious than white folk. Black folk would go crazy. And yet, 
A white paper, the Philadelphia Tribune, had a headline. In daily life, blacks found to be more religious than white folk and said this is one of the most extensive sociology studies. A white person can say that and get away. But if a black person say you have preachers, oh, how do you? And so it's, this thing is about ready to change now because the mindset been changed. And those of you that's not ready for it, I say have fun and have fun quick because recess is just about over because on come a day you won't be able to hide behind Dr. King or Black History Month or Black History Week. Somewhere. And so when you think about Jimmy Lee, they organized just to say to James Orange while he was in jail, we got you back. And they just came out to sing some hymns and, and read some scripture to say to them white folks, you're not going to lynch him in the middle of the night. They didn't come with no guns. And on the way there, the sheriff, city cops, and Al Lingo, head of the Alabama State Troopers, they attacked him. Took their guns and shot the street lights out. Jim Lee Jackson was with his mother and, and her father. And they attacked Jim Lee Jackson's grandfather, which was his mother's father, and kicked him, 82 years old, kicked him, knocked him down, beat him with butts of guns, and she ran to, to pull him away. And they went into this little black cafe. And they followed him in there. And now the mother's still trying to pull them, him away from them cops, and they started attacking her, and Jimmy Lee Jackson went to pull his mother away, and they shot him twice in the stomach. And then they carried him to jail to book him instead of the hospital. That didn't surprise us, because it was... And then after they booked him and they carried him to the hospital and, and four days later he died. There never was no such thing on the drawing board of a march from Selma to Montgomery. There was no such thing as having a voting rights march. What happened was King and all of us said, let's march in honor of this brother. And that's what got it started. And because of his death, what a glorious death, they decided that we were going to march from Selma. He didn't get killed in Selma. Huh? Killed in Perry County, Marion, Alabama. Hey, because of this, let's march from Selma to Montgomery for a voting rights bill in his name. And had it not been for that, the world wouldn't have seen William Pettus Bridge, which shocked the entire world. The world wouldn't have witnessed John Lewis getting clubbed down and all them folks because the march wasn't intended for voting rights. It was to say to this brother, we thank you. And because of that, the next month, the voting rights bill was signed. And had it not been for the voting rights bill, we wouldn't be talking about this brother now. So we got to reach back and take it out of context and say, here's the number one reason he's the president. And the second person we got to blame for, who would have ever believed a white dude whose father, father was a thug, you know, who would ever believe that a Prescott Scott, a Nazi sympathizer, sent millions of dollars to back up them thugs in Germany, would produce a boy that would become president, that would produce this boy, that would mess up white money so bad, they would have no problem voting for somebody that looked like me. Thank you, Mr. Bush. And so we say thank you. 
for you young folks who don't know the progress, it used to be called Negro History Week. Now it's called Black Month. Of course, when you know when they get ready to give us a month, it'd be that month with all them days missing. <laughs> you know I mean, I didn't expect no 31 day, but. And then you talk about February. I'm not, most black folks I don't even like February. <laughs> February the 2nd, Groundhog. What's a Groundhog? February 2nd, if the groundhog sees a shatter, six more weeks of winter. Y'all heard that? That's you realize how stupid we are in this country. <laughs> groundhog is February 2nd. Spring is March 21st. From February 2nd to March 21st, that is six weeks. <laughs> Damn, groundhog ain't got nothing to do with it. And I wonder when you black folk gonna get hip to the fact that why in America, well, most of you white folks, too, you don't know. 13 is an unlucky number. No place. That's the 13th Amendment that freed you. No place in the world is 13 an unlucky number. And I don't have no problem with that, but all you black folks don't know that. So somewhere, somewhere, you know, you want to know how fast this thing is moving. Last year, February the 2nd, I was in New York, white dude, and I was on radio shows. He said, Mr. Gregory, today's Groundhog Day. What do you think happened to Groundhog Caesar? Shout out to him, man. I don't play that, man. <laughs> we got hostile. Are you anti social, anti American? I said, no, no. I said, you feel that way about it? Ask me again, I'll play it. <laughs> Say, today's Groundhog Day. What do you think will happen if the Groundhog Caesar shatter today? Uh, I, I said, six more weeks of winter, sir. But since you want to play it, let's play it. I'm going to ask you, what do you think will happen today if the groundhogs come out and don't see his shadow but see five black dudes? What does that mean? He said, I don't know. I have six more weeks of basketball. <laughs> and so we say to the movement, and I can tell you personally how fast this thing is moving. Forty-five years ago in Mississippi, running for my life with a wife and a family. And every time I went to Mississippi, I knew I'd die. But I went anyway, and by that I found out there's something worse than death. It's called being disgraced, and when you let a system reduce you below the dignity that God gave you so you can feed your family or pay your rent, your grace is gone. And then maybe you black folks will understand there is a universal order that black men is 4% of America's population, but 82% of prostate cancer death in America is black men. Black women, 6% of the population. 98% of thyroid tumors is black women. And we're not even saying there's something wrong with these numbers. You can hide from me, you can hide from white folk, but you can't hide from the universe. Because you got a record and did I know when I was running down in Mississippi and talking about being nonviolent and don't hate nobody and don't be mean that I could sit here and tell you today the head of the Mississippi State Troopers is a black man? They come from no guns. You black folk walk around all them old evil ass looks on your face. That ain't what liberated you. It was a group of people and some white folks that came out with no hatred. When I joined the movie, I had 357 Magnum at home. I drank me a fifth of scotch every day and didn't give a damn about nobody making me $25,000 a week. And it was this movement, huh? 98% of that movement, they had reverend in front of their name before they had PhD. And 80% of that movement was women 
and we didn't even let them get in the front, but they kept going because it was bigger than them. And I look around one day, I come back in from Europe two weeks ago, and I think I see today white folks be asking me to comment on white folk problem. See, and then, Mr. Gurgi, you think we'll ever catch Ben Loudon? I say, we? <laughs> I ain't looking for him. I'm still trying to find out who my daddy is. <laughs> Thank you much. That was renowned civil rights activist Dick Gregory speaking at the Black History Month kickoff brunch at UNM. I had the extreme pleasure of meeting this living legend at the breakfast and hearing his full speech, which went on for about 30 minutes. And I just must say that for being a person that only spoke 30 minutes, just the amount of content and the amount of of intellectuality that this person has is just too amazing for me to express in words. And I just think he's he's one of the most amazing people on earth. I also think that one of the most vital points that Mr. Gregory made was that your roots do not occupy but one month of the year, and that's Black History Month, but they occupy all of your life. 